hello and welcome back to the Brew Theology podcast and our spring season. To begin this season, we're going to have a memorial episode about Dr. Ved Prakash Nanda. Dr. Nanda was an interfaith participant in the Denver Metro, and he was part of our altruist event in May of 2019. So we wanted to take a moment to remember him as he recently passed away. Also, I will be republishing episode 135 immediately after this. If you would like to go on and hear the Q&A that we had with him and two of our other faith leaders during that event. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Nanda, and then we will share his presentation during that event. Dr. Ved Prakash Nanda was a distinguished university professor at the University of Denver Strum College of Law. He passed away on January 1, 2024, in the company of family and friends. He was a champion of human rights and a law professor since 1972. Born in 1934 in Gujranwala of the undivided India, Professor Nanda underwent an arduous immigration to the Punjab state in India, along with his family during the partition of Pakistan from India. He went on to build an exemplary career starting with an MA in economics from Punjab University, a law degree from Delhi University in India, an LLM from Northwestern University, and subsequent postgraduate fellowship work from Yale University. For nearly 60 years, Professor Nanda was a professor at the law school where he founded the International Legal Studies Program in 1972. He served as director of the Vednanda Center for International and Comparative Law since its inception in 2006. The center was established in his honor by alumni and friends who also endowed a professorship in his name. He received honorary doctorates of law from Soka University in Tokyo, Japan, from Bundelkhand University in Jhansi, India, and taught and lectured at several universities in the U.S. and abroad. He was also an honorary professor of law at the University of Delhi. Professor Nanda held many leadership positions within the global international law community, including in the World Jurist Association, American Society of International Law, International Law Association, American Law Institute, and the American Bar Association's Human Rights Center in Section of International Law. He served as a U.S. delegate to the World Federation of the United Nations Associations in Geneva and on the Governing Council of the United Nations Association of the USA. He was an officer and board member in several international and national NGOs, and he served as the chair of the Aberoe Foundation for Religious Studies. Professor Nanda received numerous national and international awards, authored or co-authored 24 books, and over 225 chapters and law review articles in international and comparative law, wrote a column for the Denver Post, and was a regular commentator in both electronic and print media. In March 2018, Indian President Ram Nath Kovind presented Professor Nanda with the Padma Bhushan, one of the highest civilian awards given by the government of India. The American Bar Association International Law Section conferred on him the Louis B. Sohn Award for Distinguished Longstanding Contributions to the Field of Public International Law. Since his passing, tributes to Professor Nanda have been pouring in from around the world, including from India Prime Minister Narendra Modi. He is survived by his daughter Anjali, son-in-law, granddaughters, and extended family in the U.S. and India. You can read more about him at the Denver Post, and you can look up his work at University of Denver. 
Dr. Nanda was a kind and compassionate human being, always willing to share his time and knowledge with other people. And we are so thankful that he was willing to take time to be with us during our event. He will be missed in the greater Denver community and around the world. So now you can join us as we listen to Dr. Vednanda's presentation at Altruist in May of 2019. Enjoy. International and Comparative Law, which is at University of Denver, DU Law School, and he's going to share with us about Hinduism. Thank you for coming. Dilpreet has uh, set a good example, so I won't take more than 10 minutes. <laughs> During lunch, one of our colleagues here, Stanley Harsh, he came to me and he said, you're going to talk about Hinduism? And I said, yes. And he said, how can you? He didn't say that. But uh, he said, it's such a complex religion. And uh, he is a former diplomat. He has his house in Bali. And uh, how many of you have been to Bali, anybody? Wonderful. There, there's another one behind you, and three of us. And Bali is absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. Do go there if you have the opportunity to. And um, it is a complex religion, and uh, to talk about it in 10 minutes, I can say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan began, began by saying namaste. And that is the salutation that Hindus have. And that namaste simply means the divinity in me greets the divinity in you. And I'm bowing to the divinity in you through divinity in me. And meaning thereby that all human beings, they are part of that divine. And so Hinduism does not have a, any feeling and any thinking about sin, or evil. And so God is great. We have a people who have been to a temple, Hindu temple. How many of you have been to a Hindu temple? Many of you. And you have seen there are many, many deities there. And at some at time, people talk about Hinduism as a religion that is worshiping idols. Because these are deities, they have got uh, faces, they look like human beings. And the point simply is that for Hinduism, all those deities are simply manifestation of God. And in different ways, you and I may be able to be able to think about something that's abstract and can relate to it. Dilpreet said, everybody said, God is omnipresent, omniscient, and all those wonderful things everywhere, and in you, in me. But at the same time, when you think about God and relate to it, sometimes that all-pervasive, all-everywhere, you can't relate to it. But we can relate to something that we can recognize and so those deities simply tell you about the qualities that a person has, and God has all those qualities. So that is one thing that I thought I might mention to you. 
about Hinduism, a couple other things that I should say, because many times you hear that there is a caste system, and that caste system is very rigid, and that caste system is the one where there are people who absolutely have no way to have their own say in the world. And, and uh, that caste system today still is oppressive, is present, not in cities, but in many rural areas, you go around and still you find that people who are called Dalits or who are people untouchables and they are not treated well. But I simply want you to know that as you go back in Hindu scriptures and Hindu thought, because it's a religion that is 10,000 years old, oldest religion. It has got absolutely nobody who founded it. It has no dogma. It has got, um, I uh, sent a note to Ryan and said uh, there are no tenets, or basic tenets. And there was a question mark, that question mark didn't come. But the point simply is that there are many people who feel that Hinduism simply is a way of life. It has got no founder, it has got no book, it has not got simply one or two principles, it has got plenty of them. People who believe in God, people who don't believe in God, people who believe in an abstract God, people who believe in a God that is creator, a God that is maintains, a God that destroys, and that is the kind of trinity in Hinduism that you can see. Let me say, take a couple more ideas about Hinduism, and then I'll simply uh, later on, any question that you might have, uh, I'll answer them. In Hinduism, they feel that there are four kind of aims of life. It is dharma, earth, kam, moksha. The salvation of Hindu, any person. And here comes reincarnation. Here comes cause and effect. And uh, you know, you uh, walk around and my colleague, uh, if he is not looking into it, and there is a door and knocks the head against it, and he said, oh, karma. <laughs> so this is my bad karma that has come. And the point simply is that Hinduism does believe that there is cause and effect, and every cause is going to have an effect, and over a period of many lives probably, that the salvation I have divinity, part of that divine, but to reach him, I am not the one who is simply fatalist. What I do, what I think, it's going to have an effect. And that is how Hinduism believes that over many, many lives probably, finally you have to reach moksha. And that is the salvation finally reaching God. And then there are dharma, it is your duty, and uh, living, living a good life. And that is really where many people feel that in Hinduism, there are no basic tenets, because it's just simply way of life and asking people to live a good life, not even a congregational religion. There are temples, beautiful temples, you go there, but at the same time, most of the people, they have got a small temple at home, and they are the ones who take care of their own worshiping 
in their own home. That is Hinduism as it is. Now, one thing that I want to mention to you, and that is that Hinduism believes not a slogan, not a dogma, but it says, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina, Sarve Santu Niramaya. And that is that the entire human race is one family, Vasudev Kutumbakam. And in that family, if there is one person who is sick, the entire family grieves. One person is happy, all of us are happy. And then here, there is, at the present time, there are extremists in Hinduism also, as in many religions. And over a period of 10,000 years, there have been so many different glosses, so many different interpretations. And therefore, when you think about Hinduism, and you listen to people about Hinduism, there are many different ways that they might describe it. So what does that mean that the entire human race is one family? What it simply means is that when there are differences, and here we talk about diversity, that you do not simply say that I tolerate differences. Toleration simply means that I'm superior to you, I'm tolerating you. And more than 100 years ago, one of the sages from India, Swami Vivekananda, came to Chicago and uh, starting talking about it. And he said, brothers and sisters. And then, you know, people were not at that time accustomed to that kind of uh, salutation. And they were startled. And he said, I feel that way. You're all my brothers and sisters. And then here, then the point simply is that he said, no toleration. Acceptance, not simply acceptance, but respect. Respect for all differences. And that is where Hinduism feels very, very strongly that sarve bhavantu sukhina, sarve santu niramaya. That all around the world should prosper. Everybody should be happy. Differences are to be celebrated. Differences are not to be the reason for discrimination and goodbye. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, and our last speaker before our panel is Diana Thompson, and she's one of Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Brew Theology Podcast as we remember Dr. Vednanda. Immediately following this episode will be a reposting of episode 135, where you can listen to the panel with Dr. Vednanda, Dilpreet Jammu, and Reverend Diana Thompson. Cheers. <laughs>